Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is fiddler Chris Dalnadar, and he brought with him a very serious topic. People should learn to play rags at old-time jams and not be afraid of flat keys. And you guys, I think he makes a pretty compelling case. In fact, I like to think that I'm one of his first converts. I used to get real grumpy at sea jams because I knew it would only be a matter of time before someone started calling rags. But through some intensive immersion therapy, last clifftop, Chris Dalnadar, with a little help from Ryland Burhans, got me to enjoy playing rags and even convinced me to put down the banjo and pick up the guitar which incidentally is what I do in this episode. There's only one tune with banjo in the whole interview. The rest is guitar and piano accompaniment for Chris's fiddling. Don't get used to it. Stick around after the interview to find out how to support the show and get access to exclusive content like weekly bonus tracks and MP3 downloads. For this week's bonus track, Chris and I play one of our favorites, Stone's Rag, and I do pull out the banjo for that one. Let's get it started. Here's another jam and chat with my good friend Chris Dalnadar. Enjoy. Dalnadar. Hey. Christopher Dalnadar? Is that your... Do you have a stage name? If you were to ever go on the road, would you go as Christopher Dalnadar? Like... Or Chris Dalnadar? Like, by myself? Yeah, yeah. I'd probably come up with a fake name. Oh, just a whole different one? Yeah. Any ideas? Yeah, I have a couple. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> see you. We'll know when we hear it. <laughs> uh, what do you think about... Sometimes I thought about uh, Cameron Michael DeWitt, just doing the full name. But then there's that little error. Cameron Michael. There's a, or Cameron Michael. That just sounds like George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of an air of pretension for having three names. But it also is just pleasant rhythmically. That's true. Yeah. Nice cadences. Yeah. But why do you really need three names? Yeah, why do any of us? But then there's like whole cultures where... Oh yeah, you have like you have like seven. ten names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome back to get up in the cool. Thanks. It's good to be back. <laughs> this is your second and a half time on, in the seat. on the show. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, 
made an attempt uh, about a week ago, and we we're just like, I think we started drinking whiskey too early in the show. <laughs> that was part of it, and it yeah, was late. Yeah, it was after the holidays. We we're just worn out. Yeah. So this is. Uh, so we're coming back at you. Come back. It's already going so so much better. <laughs> Combination rag. We got off to a good start the last time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the, the hour is still young. Yeah. Well, all right. That was the combination rag. Yeah. That was recorded 1927 in Dallas, Texas. Do you know why it was called the combination why rag? Why is it the combination rag? Is it rag? a combination of rags? That's possible. Okay. And, and that's something I'll touch on. Yeah. Um, but... Okay, so originally I thought, and I don't know how I got to thinking about this, if I somebody told me or I read it somewhere, but I got to thinking that Combination was a place in Texas. Oh, interesting. You know, Combination, Texas. Yeah. But I've since found no evidence to corroborate that. <laughs> I tried looking up Combination, Texas, and it's not on any maps. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? It could be a combination of, uh, well, it's a two-part tune, so... Yep. Two different rags that they just put together. Right. That was very common for, um, especially these string bands. Right. Who were coming up with this music, this ragtime string music. Yeah. To do, they would just borrow from these songs that were essentially pop tunes. That's right. kind of what this right. music was at that time period. Yeah. Um, and by that, we're talking about late 1800s, yeah. early 1900s. Back when pop music was... Back when sheet, you, sheet music. Yeah, back when you made your own <laughs> pop music yourself. Yeah. <laughs> this is very DIY back then. Yeah, it's true. Um, in the late 1800s, mid to late, we had the rise of parlor music, right? And that was... It coincided with the rise of printed sheet music. Yeah. And more widespread manufacture of musical instruments. In particular, pianos. That's what parlor music was. It was a lot of singing yeah. and piano playing. And then later on, string instruments yeah. became more widely available and more widely used. So, um, yeah, how, how, how does rags uh, intersect with old-time music? I guess specifically because fiddle rags. There's yeah. all these different rag traditions that are sort of yeah. tangential to each oh, other. Oh, absolutely. Because some people play guitar and they're like, oh, I play rags on guitar. Right. And it's like... American there seems to be a different division. class of ragtime music for yeah. different instruments. Yeah, but they all have some similarities. But there are like, similarities. They all go, they all do that. <laughs> they all have that little hemiola. They have two chords. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, you mean the, the two chords. The two chords. Yes, yes. Right, the two. Uh, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with, uh, so, you know, in a lot of old time music, it's one, four, Five right. and one, meaning a chord that starts on the first note of the major scale, the fourth note of the major scale, and then the fifth note of the major scale. Every once in a while, you'll get a six. But in uh, in rag music, um, and in some old time, uh, some mountain stuff, yeah. you'll get one of these. And then in ragtime music, it'll go to that, and then go back. So that's called the two chord, because it's based on the second note of the major scale right to and get edu edutainment <laughs> a little bit of edutainment in there yeah yeah and it, it goes throughout ragtime music early jazz stuff yeah and that's a cool thing there's that these I, common chord progressions the two five one which cameron just played yeah demonstrated for us yeah again that's <laughs> and i think that's something that's kind of cool about uh ragtime music is that it's um and it's a little more similar to jazz. I've often said that like old time is sort of, when I explain old time music to like people who are coming at it from a jazz background, mm. I was just talking to Evan Corey Levine about this. Uh, he, who's a, an amazing early jazz, uh, you know, resonator guitar player and um, in, in West Philadelphia. And uh, I gave him a, a five string banjo lesson partially because, um, well, he loves the sound of climber and stuff, but he, <laughs> He, he keeps getting all these people who want to take banjo lessons and he keeps giving them to me and he's like, you know what, I should just take a lesson from you so that I can get some of this banjo money. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cash in on it. Yeah. But I was, you know, describing the chord pro progressions in old time music and I was like, it's sort of anti-jazz because there's no sort of like, um, in old time music, there's no harmonic expectation. 
it's sort of yeah it's not as sophisticated as a system it's more about the beat yeah but but ragtime is more like early jazz and it does the the melodies seem to be more of outlines of chords and arpeggios sure yeah yeah well ragtime was jazz before jazz was even jazz yeah (laughs) and um i have a whole bunch of dates to throw at you but maybe we should play another tune first, okay. and then we can talk about this more. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do. I'm I, I'm very I'm going to approach this a, a lot from a historical angle because that stuff for me is interesting, and yeah. I think it puts a lot of this in perspective. So awesome. So uh, you'll learn something as well as be entertained. This knowledge is power. <laughs> um, I'm going to move the uh, microphone over to the piano real quick. Okay. Yeah. This is. This is going to be an interesting episode because Cameron is being featured on multiple instruments, which is a little known fact. Yeah. Cameron is a secret guitar player, pianist, as well as five string banjo. Yeah, don't tell. <laughs> I won't. Everyone who's listening to this, mum's the word. Keep it a secret. <laughs> All uh, right. We're going to do that pickle. So the next tune is the dill pickle rag, a very important piece of American. Yeah musical history it was came out in 1906 it was the second ragtime composition that sold over a million copies are you serious in 1906 in 1906 the first one was scott joplin's maple leaf rag yeah which came out a few years before that um late 1890s and by 1906 actually interest in ragtime was starting to wane um people weren't this, the sales and the music weren't as good as they had been. Um, people were starting to lose interest in it. But after Dill Pickles came out, that all changed. It yeah. kind of caused this resurgence of interest in it. And yeah. that lasted for like 10 more years. Yeah. And then, of course, jazz music started coming out. It became... Ragtime started developing more into that um, realm of things. Yeah. Well, let's, let's play Dill Pickles. So here it is. And I get this from a recording of Smith's Garage Fiddle Band, who was another Texas group. And this came out uh, right around the same time as uh, the Combination Rag and East Texas Serenaders were doing that. So here we go. Thank you. 
We made it. <laughs> Quite a tune. Yeah. Dill Pickle Rag. Yeah. 1906. Hot off the, the tails of Maple Leaf. <laughs> yeah, good tune. So, uh, Charles Johnson? Yeah, Charles Johnson was the composer. Yeah. And uh, he wrote a bunch of like early pop music instrumental he wrote lyrics and stuff to songs um it's pretty well known and pretty prolific he worked in late 1800s into early 1900s all right so getting into how this old-time string band music fits into the ragtime stuff so when we talk about old-time music yes. it's such an umbrella term yes. i mean there's so much material that right. falls under that there's the northern traditional music Yes. American, Southern styles, Appalachian traditions. Yeah. And they're all kind of similar but different. There's different dance forms and stuff yeah. that the music accompanies. And then ironically, there's also things that are like definitively not in the umbrella. Some people will say. To yeah. Like people make a sharp distinction between bluegrass and oh, things right. like that. You yeah, know. bluegrass is different. Yeah. Jug band stuff is kind of arguable sometimes, although yeah. I don't know. Well, the jug band stuff fits in more with this ragtime music. Right, right. Um, and so, so this is my theory, and I'm I'm still working on this. I'm doing a lot of looking into this material. Uh -huh. Hopefully, I'll publish something eventually. Yeah. With all this stuff that I find, the more I look into it, the more fascinating it becomes, and really more questions get raised. Yeah. So my theory is that. Ragtime music originally dates back into the maybe mid to early 1800s, maybe not that far back, mid to around the mid-century there, um, with string instruments, I think it originated as kind of a folk tradition. Yeah. Mostly in the South um, and Southwest. And I think it was kind of a coming together of, again, African music and European music. Yeah. I mean, you had the rise of the banjo, an African instrument, which was modified with European um, improvements to musical instrument design. Yeah. Which became, you know, it allowed it to be more mass produced and spread. And so then we had the rise of minstrel music. Yeah. Um, the banjo was one of the main instruments there. Yeah. And they had all these forms of music that came along with that. You know, they were playing fiddle tunes, reels, jigs, yeah. breakdowns. Um, but it was dance music. So what I think happened was over time, the music just changed and it became more, it made more use of syncopation, which is a key of this music. Ragtime, that is. Yes. Um, that's kind of one of the de definitive features of it. Right. And so syncopation, of course, is the kind of breaking up of the even beat, accenting um, parts of the beat that are not strong. Right. 
creating like a jagged rhythmic right. effect. Right. And I think that falls pretty well on the banjo. If you look at some of those old banjo tutors from 1850s and stuff, you know, there's syncopation in all that music. Yeah, certainly. And that, you know, that style of playing that minstrel banjo is kind of the precursor to claw hammer playing. Right. Yeah, it seems, when I've seen people play it, it seems like they're using a claw hammer stroke, but then every other, you know, beat, they're breaking the claw hammer stroke to do like a right. thumb lead or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, uh, they make more use of the thumb. Yeah, it's like they're approaching it more like, almost more like bluegrass banjo in that right. it's not just like one texture. There's just kind of a lot of freedom. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't imagine like, <laughs> I've seen some of those old, those old, uh, those old transcriptions and we're not even transcriptions, old sheet music, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's they're sheet. playing on these like right. fretless banjos mm -hmm. all the way up and down the neck, yep. you know, all these notes, <laughs> yeah, all these notes, <laughs> yeah. Going back and forth between climber and thumb lead and like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty nuts. Yeah, those books are interesting. Now, yeah. I've looked through most of them and I wasn't able to find any tunes in particular that they called rags. Right. So the term ragtime, I think it first came into use in the 1890s, probably around the early 1890s. Yeah. In 1892, we had the first ragtime piano composition which was not published by Scott Joplin. Scott Joplin wasn't published until three years after that. Yeah. Um, and so whenever, when anybody thinks of ragtime music, that's what they think of, right? Yeah. Scott Joplin, the entertainer. Right. Yeah. Which wasn't even one of his most popular tunes right, like, during right. his time anyway. But we can thank Paul Newman for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Again, thanks, Paul Newman. <laughs> right. So that's... When this music started becoming more popular and more well-known, the main instruments that people recognized it being played on, piano and the five-string banjo. Yeah. Now, the five-string banjo is interesting. Actually, the first recording of ragtime music was made by a banjo player. Okay. What? And his name was Vess Osman. That's a good name. <laughs> yeah. And he... Seems like a fantasy name. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Osman. Yeah, that's a, it's an old timey name. Yeah, <laughs> and his style of playing it was finger picking. It wasn't uh, yeah. minstrel banjo or uh, okay, you know any kind of claw hammer stuff. It was as far as I know three finger picking. Yeah, um, the people who I've seen play this style, they certainly use that right way of doing it. Um, it's corn potato boys. <laughs> yeah, use three finger. Yeah, and uh, that allowed for them to really copy what the piano was doing. You know, they could play right, the right. melody and they could do the bass stuff and kind of the harmonic stuff that's going yeah. on, which is where this music gets really interesting, I'll add. Because yeah. sure, you have the melody, but there's all this other complex stuff going on. Yeah. Like the entertainer, everybody knows that. Yeah. Melody, da -da 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 -da. but the bass stuff is crazy. The stuff in the yes. left hand. Yeah. And so the five-string banjo was able to do that. They were able to get those bass lines in there and so his style of playing is considered like the classical banjo ragtime yeah. way of playing yeah and uh he was he was a musician his whole life he played he died in like the 1920s the early 20s but he played his whole life um going out and playing dances and stuff yeah he had a rival who Ooh. who also <laughs> was recording during that time this man, Fred, Fred Van Epps was his name. And he was about 10 years younger than Osman. Um, but he learned to play by listening to cylinder recordings of Osman. Oh, the, and then he kind of just like superseded upstart. him. And he, he actually became more popular. He sold more recordings. Is this a friendly rivalry? I don't know. I, I haven't found that much on it. Huh. Other than, yeah, I don't know if they knew each other. Maybe. Compared notes. Here's a question. Uh... Scott Joplin, yeah. African-American player. Yeah. Vess Osman. He was a white guy. He's a white guy? Yeah. Interesting. Um, this other man, uh, what was his name? Fred Van Epps. Fred Van Epps. I don't know if I've ever seen pictures of him, but I think, I don't really know. I can't say for certain at this yeah. time. Yeah, I'm always interested in like, uh, ragtime's like a, a, a strange, um, it, makes, it makes sense that old time music is like, 
a combination of sort of African and European, like, right. you know, sort, sort of styles. But it's like, it is very intuitive stuff. But Ragtime is like, it has a very, I mean, maybe not the syncopations, but the fact that it was like this very published music. Right. You know, and um, with the very European, I would say, um, harmonic expectation, at least in terms of like, two five ones and things like this like right sure um, it, it worked very well within those structures yes of european music that people understood at yeah. the time right because back then people were more educated in music than they are now they yeah they knew what they were listening to they understood how it worked yeah at least somewhat better than right we do today i think just because it was it was more so part of the social structure back right. then you know People had to entertain themselves. So yeah, they were. <laughs> they were lucky. They were educated in those things. Right. So. And then we would uh, eventually, you know, learn to just pay people stupid amounts of money to entertain us for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that and that was kind of what killed the whole parlor music thing. Right. Was the recorded music industry, right. and that you know that was starting to happen early 1900s. Yeah. Wax cylinders killed the parlor room star. <laughs> There's a song just waiting to be written. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting the European kind of aspect to this. Yeah. A lot um, of that rote that rote aspect that you know. Yeah. Um, Stravinsky wrote a ragtime piece. Really? Yeah. I want to mention this before oh, I forget to do it. Man, because I want to hear that. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. It, uh, it sounds like a very syncopated rite of spring, uh-huh. basically. Like it's 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 very abstract. There's no yeah. real melodic structure to it. Interesting. There's Is probably it for piano? different themes. It's for eleven instruments. Okay. <laughs> and that came out actually in 1918. Yeah. He composed that. Right. So that was you know pretty still early on. Um, I guess yeah, that would probably ragtime's like that. It's a published music and wrote. Yeah. I bet that had a lot to do with it traveling all around the world and like yeah being, absolutely yeah being transportable and there's some really great old seven eight recordings of different ragtime music from around the world i yeah. mean there's stuff that it went down to brazil it became choro music right that's kind of like the brazilian equivalent of american ragtime and oh. that has a published tradition as well when i was down in um guatemala um, I didn't know anything about Guatemalan music, but I, the like national instrument is the marimba, and they had like indigenous marimbas, and they would play these sort yeah. of like crazy marimba duets um, with really uh, strange harmonic expectation and stuff. But then when ragtime, uh, the ragtime craze came, they started writing essentially just like piano style ragtime music for marimba duet and, and trio mm-hmm. and now that's like literally like 90 percent of the radio stations down there are all just marimbas going <laughs> playing scott joplin <laughs> yeah tunes, playing yeah. scott joplin tunes, but a lot of also that's original awesome. original guatemalan composed sure. ragtime and that's still like they're just listening that's they're listening to it all the time i gotta go yeah man <laughs> you love it it's awesome like uh the i went to this uh what's it called it's in um it's at lake atitlan and there's like just this dude owns this restaurant and they have this like chicken stew called pepian and it's like this like red chicken stew i can't i don't know how to describe it's super flavorful and then just like he has these three daughters that like wear traditional guatemalan clothes and then play these marimba trios and yeah, they're incredible. And they wear these hats that are like, um, <laughs> this is a really uh, clunky, awkward way to describe it. To me, they look kind of like karate belts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like they're like a long belt that's like cloth. Right. But then they put it around their head and they sort of wrap it. Huh. And so it's like this di- kind of thick disc. It's like a sun hat kind of thing. Interesting. And they wear those in these like really beautiful dresses and then they play the, and then they play this music. Wow. Yeah. And it's, um, it looks super hard because ragtime makes a lot of sense on piano, but on marimba, you, you only have two, <laughs> you know, maximum like two in, e- in each hand. Right. You know, that's just for like the harmony player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was pretty impressive. 
I bet. And then it has that added element of being able to do those rolled sustains. So they're like, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Nice. I wonder if those marimbas are set up like pianos. They are. They are. Yeah. Okay. I, so yeah, that, that makes sense. I've heard that the the indigenous, like that there was like an indigenous marimba. Right. But it, they don't play them anymore. And they still play, I think it's called tecomate, I think, is like the, the indigenous marimba style. They still play that style on Western marimbas. And it just sounds bonkers because they're not following any any rules, any Western harmony rules. Right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you had a whole spiel. And I, I was just remembered, yeah. Ragtime, worldwide craze, Guatemala, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. Choro uh, music, uh, Guatemalan marimba music. Choro stuff, and so, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it definitely has a published, yeah. the, the published uh, written down music history of it is very strong but i think the folk tradition goes back longer than that yeah right and that just was people making this stuff up yeah you know for their own entertainment yeah and it's just very entertaining it's super chipper music oh absolutely yeah i mean something about <laughs> it it just it just feels right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then, you know, it does get minor at times. Like, yeah, sure. like in Dill Pickles, there's it goes minor. Yeah. Not in the version I did, but in the that original recording, it's like... Yeah. Do you want to play this hob die? I think that's next on the... Uh, sure. Oh, we still got to do Ruth. Let's do Ruth since you're... We've only played two tunes. You're Let's at stop the, playing tunes. You're at the <laughs> piano. So. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. This is a tune. This comes from one of my favorite bands that recorded during the 78 period. The Grinnell Giggers. And this is Ruth's rap. Wait, wait what's that name? Grinnell Giggers. Oh, my God. Okay, good. <laughs> let, me, let, me get, let me get these, uh, these notes up. Okay, I got them. It should be noted, this, this is a B-flat tune. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's talk about... Yeah, we'll talk about that after. Let's talk yeah. about that after. Yeah, totally. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Nice. Ruth's Rag. That was recorded in 1927. The Grinnell Giggers. They Grinnell were, Giggers. <laughs> yeah, they were from uh, the Missouri, Arkansas boot heel area. Yeah. And they take their name from an actual type of fishing that was done on a lake. Really? Near where they lived. Yeah, so the, the Grinnell is a type of fish that was common in those parts. And, yeah. And I guess gigging was a way they had of, like, catching them. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so so in essence, the name is like, it's kind of like a skillet liquors type of thing. Right. Kind of like tongue in cheek. Oh, wait, that's the band name. Yeah, that's the band I name. I thought you meant that was a person's name. Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, that should be our band name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Grinnell Giggers. Yeah. That's really good. Also, Ruth is a good name. That's yeah, my grandma's I guess, name. <laughs> I guess that was like the fiddler's wife. Yeah. So it's named after her. She was like a famous dancer or something yeah that's a good one so, uh, so that's a so that tune is in b flat yeah and it modulates to e flat ah i was like proving that i don't want to play guitar on this one <laughs> <laughs> no thanks yeah so so we didn't we should have said this earlier on um in old time circles people don't really like playing this music <laughs> <laughs> right do you think that would be an accurate thing to say uh, I know some fiddlers who are super into it, but the I don't know a lot like of it. banjo players who are into it. Right. Well, there's yeah. a lot of banjo every, every fiddler, there's another banjo player. So I think it's sort of like out of deference to banjo players. Like, I, I used to put up a fuss about it, but then I started... I think I really got into it when I, at Clifftop this last year with, you know, hanging out with you and Rye. And Rye kept on trying to instate a no old time policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no g no g tunes no uh at a lot of festivals this summer camera got dragged into yeah. playing guitar accompaniment yeah to ragtime fiddle music yeah just was, uh stockholm was, syndrome kind of yeah right he, he eventually came to identify with his captors <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's a unique challenge to play on banjo, too, so whenever there's another... It is, yeah, but it can be done, and people yeah. do it to great effect, yeah. I think. I might have to learn how to do three-finger to make it, to do it really right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a thing that's worthy of talking about. Yeah. Why are a lot of these tunes in such weird keys? It's got to be piano, right? It's well, that's what be, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of these tunes are in C... Uh, F, B flat, the flat keys. Yeah. Um, e flat. And now this is this kind. Of, this is kind of a controversial. Yeah. Thing we're getting into here. Uh huh. Regarding these old recordings, that's where I learn all this stuff from. Is, yeah. You know, old seventy eights. So a lot of people say, you know, the recording pitch. The pitch at which the recording is playing is not the same pitch at which they yeah. were playing. Right. Right? So, so if you're learning it from a recording, it might be in a different key. It might be in a different key than you think. But I think in a lot of these cases, you have to listen to the instruments. You have to listen to what the guitar is doing. Right. You have to listen to what the fiddle is doing. And then you can kind of figure out, like, oh, yeah, this really is an E-flat. Because some yeah. of the things that the guitar is doing, you can only do yeah. playing an E-flat in open, you know, guitar position. There's an open guitar position, E flat. <laughs> well, not not capoed is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can tell with the vocabulary that they use. Yeah, that it's like. Yeah, like just like you can tell, you know, like <clears throat> that something's in cross tune. You know, it's right. like there's all these A flat old time, you know, cross tune A flat or like or somewhere weird in between, you can tell it's just in cross tune. Yeah, they just pitch, they, they tune the instrument to whatever pitch was in their head. Yeah, and yeah. And because of the shapes of the, of the music, you can tell that they're not playing right. <laughs> a, a flat and standard. Right. But tune. so with a lot of these old, especially the ragtime recordings, yeah. the fiddle music, people tend to kind of move these to keys that are easier to play in. There's this stigma around the flat keys that yeah. they're hard and they're difficult. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to sound like too much of a jerk, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not. And yeah. if, if you want to commit to that way of thinking, you're just not pushing yourself to explore it further. Yeah. If you can play a G scale on the violin, there's no reason why you can't learn an F scale yeah. and then start learning tunes in that key. Right. So I would imagine that it would be like, as someone who's like new to fiddle, you know, like it's easiest for me to, to pick up on the spot a, uh, like a cross tune, yeah. a, a cross tuning tune because there are like no wrong notes. I can let every string go the entire time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like easy. It's slightly harder to do a G tune. It's even harder to do a C tune because like it gets further. Yeah. There's more and more, you know, if I want to play a double stop, I don't even know. As a, this is how new I am. I don't even, I'm not even very good at playing just one string at a time. <laughs> like, so like, uh, I would imagine that maybe that can be like intimidating right. to like, if you're going to play a double stop, you have to like, know your way around it and stuff like that but all that being said playing an f that it makes a lot of sense and and, uh, on and the fiddle yeah one thing that people don't realize is that these flat keys are actually really open like you right. have drone yeah. strings that you can play in f in c in b flat even in e flat you have a drone string yeah yeah it makes so, sense yeah like if you need that and i certainly do uh. <laughs> as reference points, then, you know, it's there. It's, it's very doable. That's how I got into this kind of stuff. Yeah, you, you, you do that, um, that Ruth's Rag. I mean, it makes sense in, in the, the part in E-flat, the, the B section. You're playing that low G yeah. to an a, low A. Play that again uh, real quick. Because it just sounds really pretty. And that's really pretty. <laughs> It just lays differently on the on the fiddle. Yeah, yeah I, I find the flat keys to be particularly beautiful sounding on this instrument yeah. because I think they utilize a different range yeah. that the yeah. other keys don't. And they just say it has a different character to it, a different sound that I think is kind of it's easy to spot. Well know? I bet it has something to do with the fact that you you know you 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 have a just a justly intoned instrument. Yeah. And so, like, the way you play on it is literally different. Like, the way you... I'm, I'm assuming the way you pitch the notes is different than you would. Like, your... I would imagine that your... Um, let me think of an example. Uh, the way you would pitch a... If you're playing in B-flat. I would imagine that the way you would pitch a D might be different. Mm -hmm. Or the way you would pitch that B-flat in order to fit with your open D would be different. This might be super interesting to some people listening, but uh, <laughs> uh, I won't get too, down too far into that rabbit hole. You would play and you play, because there's no frets, you can tune your instrument on a note to note basis differently. Right. And it's gonna yeah. sound different uh, playing a flat key on, on fiddle. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing, you know, a, a B flat's a B flat's a B flat on the guitar, mm -hmm. you know? So it's not necessarily going to like, the shapes are different, but the note itself, there's a lot of opportunities for ex expression is, I feel like is what you're trying to say what I'm trying to say in playing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, playing it's, those flat keys. And like I said, it just, it utilizes a particular range of the instrument. Right, right. That's both dynamic and harmonic. And it's yeah. just like the physical properties of the instrument, you know, yeah. the way the strings vibrate at certain points on the fingerboard. Yeah. Flat key apologist Chris Dalmendar, <laughs> evangelist. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, let me play banjo for a tune. <laughs> oh yeah. Ah. We'll, uh, we'll get this one in there. This is this is a cute little Kenny Hall of rag. Mandolin, right? Kenny Hall was a mandolin yeah. player. Yeah, I think he played fiddle too. Um, he composed a lot of these little fiddle tunes. And so I want to point this out. Uh, this isn't a super popular tune, but I've heard other people play it. I want people to play it the way that, <laughs> that Chris does. I don't know if it's correct to the source, but I, I think it's more interesting. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I've actually heard a source recording. You heard just, it from someone else? I've just, yeah. And then I guess just playing it myself, it yeah. turned into this, like, some of the things you were pointing out earlier that I yeah. do in it, I don't know where those came from. Maybe I, like, I made them up. I don't know. I like know. Chris's folk process regardless of how authentic or accurate it is i think it's accurate because it's what chris wants to do yeah exactly <laughs> and i want people to play it that's this way so you gotta make it have you gotta make it sound like how you want it to sound yeah
Cockneys are gonna write in. <laughs> I would love to get some cockneys. Yeah, I know they're listening. The show, yeah, they're like, oh, there's that Dick Van Dyke impression again. <laughs> mm. uh, what's what's a hob? Some piece of machinery or something? Oh yeah, I guess I've heard different things. I've heard the name comes from well, it was somebody's name, and then oh, I've heard okay. that yeah, it refers to like machinists' tools, like hobs and yeah. dies. Yeah. I know a die is like a piece part of a drill. I don't know what a hob is. Maybe it's the philosopher. <laughs> it's like uh, Last of Sizemore. It's, it's spelled or, uh, differently. Elzik's Farewell. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> hob die now. Yeah. 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 It's not a nasty brutish and short tune, though. <laughs> uh, that's a really good one. I like playing that one. And you can play it as a banjo player because it's in G. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we got two more, and uh, we're doing great on time. Uh, do you cool? What you want to intro this next one while I get the guitar? Sure. Yeah. Um, get Cameron back on guitar here. We're gonna play a Stripling Brothers tune. Stripling yeah. Brothers are—you can never go wrong with yeah. those recordings. Me and Rye played um, their Big Eyed Rabbit for oh, yeah, for his one. episode. Yeah, that's really good. So yeah, they were from Alabama. Um, guitar and fiddle duo and the fiddler charlie stripling he wrote like all of those tunes they recorded a bunch they were a really popular band back then again pop music yeah. of the time yeah um, but they played for dances and stuff and he wrote all of these really weird crooked fiddle rags he called them something like rag breakdowns yeah or breakdown rags in weird keys, C and F and stuff. So this is a great little F tune from them. It's called Possum Hollow. One, two, you know what to do. Thank you. 
<laughs> Haven't learned how to appropriately tag tag those rags yet. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different vocabulary for tagging rags, I think. Uh, for tagging old time. Uh, you can do the same things. <laughs> yeah, you can totally do that. <laughs> Was that a question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, John... My brother-in-law plays trumpet, plays all my like songwriting stuff, and uh, I, you know, sing s- some song I wrote, you know, super emotional, like you know, moody song, and then <laughs> at a show he'd be like, uh, or how to, I can do it better on the piano, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> at the end I'd be like, God damn it, John, <laughs> no resolution, just trolling. Uh, <laughs> Trumpet trolls. <laughs> That's totally trolling. Yeah. Well, we got yeah, well, we got one more. Awesome. We're gonna do. We're gonna go over to Mississippi now. This is a yeah. tune from the Leak County Revelers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, another F tune. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, being on the show again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, man. And getting this stuff out there. I. Yeah. I'd love to see more people playing this stuff. Yes. Um, Is that your plug? Your official plug? Learn how to play rags? Learn how to play flat keys? Definitely. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> plug the flat keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and it's, it's yeah. very doable. That's how I got into it. Yeah, man. So Believe in yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. what Chris is trying to say. You can do it. <laughs> Alright, the Dry Town Blues.
<laughs> All right, you heard the man. Chris wants to play more rags with more people in keys with more flats, so get started. If you want to download these tunes and learn them or hear this week's bonus track, Stone's Rag, maybe this is the week you sign up to support Get Up in the Cool on Patreon. There's lots of great rewards to hold you over until the following week, all hidden in secret blogs that I only share with my most dedicated listeners. Just go to CameronDeWitt.com, click the button that says Patreon, and choose an amount to regularly donate and a reward level that works best for your situation. Remember, you're not paying for the reward, you're choosing to pay for the show, which only runs as consistently as it does because of my stalwart Patreon supporters. Once again, thank you all so much for helping make the show run smoothly. If you can't support Get Up In The Cool financially, please leave the show a five-star review on iTunes, like and follow the Facebook page, and uh, share the show on your favorite old-time bluegrass or otherwise folksy Facebook group. People don't generally pay attention to self-promoters, but if you share a link and say something nice or interesting about an episode, people will talk about it, especially if it has some sort of uh, clickbait for old-time nerds, like, does anyone know the original source for Hob Die? Someone help me. That sort of thing catches fire. Definitely do that. All right. Thanks for listening, friends. Come back same time next week for more Get Up in the Cool.